broadcasting around the world 24 hours a day. This is Carers World Radio with Patricia Mitchell. Hello and welcome to Carers World Radio for August 2011. In this month's programme, we'll be telling you about what's behind the Great British Care Awards and how both regionally and nationally carers are being applauded and celebrated. We'll also be updating you on how the carer strategy in New Zealand has been coming along and finding out about new initiatives there. All that and much, much more. weeks ago, the Minister of State for Care Services, Paul Barstow, launched a new innovative programme to support carers in the form of a comprehensive e-learning, printed publications and workshop package aimed primarily at GPs, GP trainees and other health workers. And to tell us more about this amazing innovation is Professor Sparrow, a regular contributor to Carers World Radio. Professor Sparrow, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us today. Um, this initiative, this, this program looks brilliant in the, in the sense that it is a very comprehensive package. Uh, but if you could just tell us a little bit about how it came about and its specific aims. Yes. Um, well, the Royal College of General Practitioners has been working with the Princess Royal Trust for Care for several years. We started by producing an action guide, which was distributed to all 8,500 practices in England which is outlining good practice and ways for improving care for carers. And we have now developed an e-learning program, which is based around the information that was within the guide, but expanded into a way which is appropriate for e-learning for all GPs and will be available to practice nurses and community nurses in general practice. We've got six modules, each of which would take um, a practitioner about half an hour to do each one. And it starts with really um, uh, how you support uh, people who care, um, how you identify carers, ways of organizing the practice to support carers. And then we have three modules which are about specific issues. So there's one around young carers. There's something about older people and their carers. And we've got a module around people with particular challenging problems, and that may be learning disabilities. It includes intergenerational carers, and that's a really important area, as you know, which um, is increasingly uh, important, that we now have um, many carers who look after maybe disabled children as well as older relatives. And really it's important that general practice is able to support people throughout their caring career, and particularly those that have unique problems. I suppose one of the the important things that we need to recognize is that GPs are often the first point of contact for many carers. And we do provide that personal continuing relationship-based care, which is often lost in other parts of the health service and social care uh, networks. And GPs can provide Uh, something which goes across the interface between health and social care. So we really want to try and make sure that GPs and their practice teams are as well equipped as possible 
for developing that important partnership of care between um, practitioner and carer. Absolutely. Uh, the, the one question for me that comes to mind is that I'm absolutely sure that these modules are incredibly well thought out and, in, and incredibly well structured and, and hit the mark. I suppose when I hear about this, my, my thing is, you know, GPs are so stretched. There is so much that they have to do. They're jumping so many balls. Um, what is almost the incentive, if you like, for them to actually pick up the modules, uh, work through them and um, take on all six, potentially the, the, the extra three modules afterwards, um, given their busy structured day? I mean, even, you know, as we all know, whether we're just doing our working day, let alone whether we're carers or, or, or care professionals, we're all we're all so busy. What what is it that you think that sort of like incentivizes them to actually get on and and, and take part in this um, e-learning uh, publications and workshops? I think looking after carers is really core general practice, and it encompasses much of. The, the, the highly valued work that we all, we all um, like to do in general practice, which is looking after people and their families, 10% of the population are carers. So that's a large part of a, of a, of a GP's workload. And if we recognize carers as partners in care, as they truly are, then that can really help provide care for both the carer and um, and, and the cared for person. So in effect, it can lessen some of the work that, uh, that is often duplicated. Uh, we don't sometimes remember that, um, that many carers hold a lot of information, provide a lot of care for people, and that can be um, of benefit to the NHS. So all GPs have to keep up to date. They have to do their own professional development. And when you recognize that caring for carers is part of core general practice, I don't think there is a problem in getting people who want to do this. Um, there are incentives around um, in the quality and outcomes framework which provide financial incentives to the practice to provide good quality care, and that includes having a carer's register. Um, but as we know, 10% of the population are carers. 6,000 people um, come into the caring role every day. And so keeping that register up to date and knowing how to keep it up to date and be meaningful is quite a challenge. Absolutely. Now, I, I know that when this was launched uh, a few weeks ago, it was actually the Minister uh, of State for Care Services, Paul Burstow, who actually um, um, announced it, who launched it. Um, in terms of the government's sort of involvement in this, have, have they kind of just helped fund it and be part of it? Uh, or, or are they kind of seeing it as a something that they want to continually oversee i mean uh, i mean presumably for them it's a great benefit if there's a huge amount of pickup on these on these programs by uh, gps yeah i mean we're very grateful to paul burstow for his support of this program government haven't provided any direct funding this is produced through e-learning for healthcare which is part of the department of health's um, learning strategy um, but we do have a free range to develop um, the, the, the programs within e-learning for health which are appropriate for, for GPs and the primary care teams. Um, as I say, the, the content of the e-learning program comes from our action guide and it's based around good evidence 
of interventions which work in general practice. It's taken from examples of good quality care, um, which, uh, which, which we've found by, uh, by our usual networks within general practice. In fact, one of the things we've just recently done is developed an award for recognising practices that provide outstanding care for carers, and that's been done through the Royal College of General Practitioners and the Princess Royal Trust for Carers. And that award is based on carer nomination, and then the practice is asked to provide supporting information of the high quality and innovative work that they do to um, improve the health and well-being of carers. And so from that from, from examples like that help to populate the guide, which in then turn help to populate the e-learning programs, which are practical. So, you know, to, to, to provide examples um, illustrates what a practice can really do to achieve high quality care. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just in terms of, have you had any feedback currently from um, the, the modules in terms of people, at, you know, sort of like, going through them and, and what's the feedback then yes we continue to ask the feedback on all our e-learning programs it's a little early to make any judgment on that uh, yes i know just <laughs> launched that just now um we've had uh, individual feedback which has been very positive people like it we will be doing a formal evaluation um within the next year once we've um once we've got sufficient numbers coming through um, it's, uh, we, we haven't had any negative feedback yet, um, so that's always good, obviously, but yes. it's too early to come to any conclusions. Absolutely. And I mean, in terms of how your, this is going to be developed, I mean, is this, is this part of sort of a, a, a broader package? Or are you just going to sort of, sort of suck it and see if you like, sort of see how this works? And then, I mean, what else is in the pipeline, Professor Sparrow? Right. We're doing a lot of work. Um, to, to try and promote um, carer awareness. As I say, we have the action guide, we have the award, we now have the e-learning program. Last year, we piloted a workshop program as well, um, where we provide a three-hour workshop for GPs and their teams to explore the issues around carers and carers' health. Again, content is much the same as that within the e-learning guide, but appeals to a different group of people who perhaps don't like e-learning but prefer the workshop format for their education. And we're yes. going to roll that out over the next year. So again, we do, ask, we do ask for financial support. We are hoping that the government will provide us with some, uh, some funding for, to, to help us develop the programs. Uh, but then obviously once we've got them developed, we have to make them sustainable um, yes. so that they can be updated. And, uh, and disseminated. So we will hopefully provide a blended set of learning programs, which go, we start with a booklet for some people to read, e-learning programs for those people that prefer that, and the workshop program for more peer group interactive sessions. I mean, it's extraordinary because in this, it, it, it just goes to show in terms of what, what you guys are doing at the Royal College of General Practitioners and what's happening. Obviously, I know you're, you're working with the Department of Health. I know you're working with the Princess Royal Trust for Carers as well. But it is interesting in these times of sort of economic frustration, let's put it like that. There is a lot that can be done purely with the dissemination of information. I mean, you do need funding, obviously, but just by actually getting people to think around the problem and be aware of the more specific things that they can do, like you said, 
use the carers as an information resource and be aware of what they're up against too. Um, there's a lot that can be done for carers without money. Now, I know there'll be carers listening going, but we still need we still need more funding, which I completely understand. But it is a very it's 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 wonderful to do the belt and braces approach to taking care of carers, and making sure they are, are identified, recognized, respected and and given an appropriate place in the system. Yes, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, funding is extremely important, but not everything needs vast sums of money. The, the, the relationship between GP and carer costs nothing. That's, that's down to communication. And, that, and it's really important that the consultation with a carer is often div is divided up into two parts. There's that which the carers come along with about their personal health issues, but then there's something about uh, their role as a carer. And if a GP is aware that that person is a carer and is aware of the complexities of that person's life to, to, uh, to have their life outside caring as well as their caring role, um, then it's really important in that general practice consultation to, to recognize that. You know, I think we need to, we need to think that, um, that carers do provide a very vital part to the delivery of health and social care. Um, to, to people and when a carer becomes ill then we all know the, the, the disastrous consequences that arise out of that and, you know and people's health do suffer as a result of caring and we need to um, we need to be um, we need to, to recognize that in, in, in the consultation. Absolutely. Uh, Professor Sparrow, thank you so much um, for talking to us today. Uh, one of the great things, regardless of whether any of our listeners are specifically aware whether they, the new, this new program has, has been taken up by the general practitioner or not, whether they're consciously aware of it, I, I think it's just really good for everybody to know these are the things that are happening behind the scenes for carers and that and that they are being thought about and things are being done. So it's always good for them to know and to hear what's going on out there. Thank you very much. And, you know, as I say, it is an important issue for every GP and it's just raising that awareness. Great. And yes, thank you so much. We really appreciate the work that you and your team are doing. So thank you very much for joining us today. I know you find it interesting to find out what's going on for carers in other countries. We regularly talk to healthcare professionals and carers in Europe, America, and down under in Australia and New Zealand. And by way of catch up and given some news reports on carers' issues in New Zealand, we thought we'd check in with Laurie Hillsgen to get an update. Laurie, uh, from actually a chief executive of Carers New Zealand, it's always a pleasure to have you on the line with us. Um, Laurie, what is the, the state of play? We, we've had this sort of news report on the wires that um, good progress is being made in implementing New Zealand carer strategy. Now, that's according to the Minister for Social, the Associate Minister for Social Development and Employment, uh, the Honourable Tarina Taria. And um, she says, good progress. What's your view on that? Because it's a five-year action plan. We've often said that we were going to come in, dip our, dip our, dip the thermometer in, if you like, and see how the five-year plan was going. Uh, are you as encouraging um, about the progress? I suppose it's like the curate saying the progress for cares in New Zealand. That release was probably issued um, as a result, result of publicity here about the We Care social and political awareness campaign that we've launched. We're just in the middle of that at the moment. 
Um, we uh, some areas have been good in terms of progress. There have been some new information initiatives, and and there is a governance group for the strategy that meets regularly, that involves all of the key government agencies. The difficulty is the progress is not happening as quickly as we would like, and we think uh, we, we need much better progress of a joined-up government to achieve the kind of strategic progress for CARES that we'd like to see in New Zealand. So lots of work still to do. And when you say joined up, um, I mean, obviously, we've often, in the UK, we're often sort of saying joined up, which means that everybody talking to everybody else in the same language, almost. Um, yeah. I mean, is that is that basically, are you facing that problem in New Zealand, that different levels are coming, you know, sort of like having different, uh, working at different rates or having a slightly different agenda within government and within the local services? I think the challenge is that people's lives don't silo into just disability or just age-related care or just mental health. It, uh, you know, life, life can cross all of those areas. What tends to happen with government is that they focus on a particular area like serious injury or social welfare or health developments and so on. And so they do their own little ad hoc incremental things for CARES where really it makes more sense, sense to be efficient and to use money and resources by sharing outcomes, agreeing on priorities, and working to, toward achieving those. So an example here is learning for CARES. CARES are any country's biggest health workforce, but here we don't have a nationally consistent learning program, which is one of the actions in the action plan. Uh, a reference group for that across government and with CARES New Zealand was established when the strategy was launched, but it hasn't met for two years. So we're quite disappointed in that, and we're... Um, lobbying strongly to say it just makes sense to have a strong uh, workforce of family cares and to also put resources and energy together into their well-being. So that's the kind of work. It, it's work that will never be done, will continue long after 2013, but that is, I guess, the, the challenge we all face. Right, and I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious because I mean, in that respect, what we're sort of saying is, is that... Um, in terms of the, the press release that we've received, um, the Ministry of Health is kind of basically talking about what's next without potentially having overseen those those kind of consistencies because they're actually going on about, that's not very respectful of music, going on about, but you know what I mean. Uh, they're yes. talking about uh, the delivery We all go on about our things. <laughs> Uh, but the, the emphasis seems to be about what's happening in the future. Uh, respite care, reviewing respite care, improving yes. the design, purchasing of delivery, um, and actually trialing new services. Is that something that you think is, is, is going to help potentially within, uh, within trying to achieve this consistency? Or do you think that even if they go forward with these obviously needed um, new policies, that it's still going to sort of suffer from what you were just talking about? I think what's happening here is that the care movement, which is very united, it's not just CARES New Zealand. We, have the, we are the secretariat for the CARES Alliance, which is more than 40 national not-for-profits all trying to work together to achieve outcomes with government for CARES. You know, the minister, Tariana Turia, she has been a wonderful champion for care issues. She really is fully behind the strategy and fully behind the care movement and wanting to work closely with the CARES Alliance. But she is only one minister, 
And, you know, we have a lot of issues in New Zealand at the moment. We've had the devastating earthquakes. The economy is still shuddering along. Um, it's quite hard to get attention to try to be strategic across government for family cares when, when you're competing with so many very real and serious issues. So, you know, she is, um, she's doing what she can for cares. For example, the We Care campaign that we've launched is asking the Prime Minister to take a direct interest in the needs and welfare of cares because they do cross every government right. agency. Yes. And uh, we haven't yet um, had that engagement with the Prime Minister. He certainly made very po uh, positive comments about the role of caring and the need for government to support cares. So that's positive, but I guess we're at the beginning of um, that kind of leadership for carers in New Zealand, where you've had that already in the United Kingdom, for example, with people like Tony Blair and um, David Cameron, perhaps because of their own personal experiences of caring. Um, and we and also are because of the history of the of the carers movement in the United Kingdom, which I'm not. I mean, you've got a good history of the carers movement within New Zealand, but it has been it's sort of enshrined in our carers' rights, and and so yeah. there is a slightly different history backing it up. We always look at Cares UK and and the progress for carers in the United Kingdom. That's the global gold standard. I mean, your your movement there is more mature. Uh, we we've certainly um, really appreciated the mentoring we've had from the United Kingdom. And um, so, and and we actually have modelled our We Care campaign on the one that was done there last year. Well, I was actually going to come on to that actually, Laurie, because I I am very I've I've had a look at your We Care campaign um, actually on Facebook. I had a good look at it uh, yesterday, and I know that it's it's very much a very strong social awareness program. Um, it's interesting to hear that you based it um, very much on 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 something that happened in the United Kingdom. Um, uh, but you've kind of got you, you've got a huge degree of recognition within the country. You've got a lot of of people checking in to see you on on, on Facebook, checking the site. Um, tell me, how did the We Care campaign come about? Well, the Cares Alliance. We've never had a social and political awareness campaign in New Zealand for Cares before. So we've looked to countries like Australia and the UK, where where you do these every year and certainly every election. Um, we've been planning ours for two years, and last year the UK did a wonderful photo message campaign where instead of just lots of words and stories, which are very powerful, um, we also um, have given carers opportunity to show their faces and their messages for society and decision makers. And um, we followed that here because we thought it was very powerful and moving. Um, I think in the UK you had 300-odd photo messages, the Prime Minister received many emails, and we've, we've followed that model here with a, with a few twists of our own for New Zealand, Facebook being one. We set yes. up the campaign um, page at Facebook, and it has setting for 12,000 friends now, which is huge for New Zealand. It's the biggest not-for-profit Facebook page in New Zealand at the moment, and, and we're learning a lot about... Um, that media, I guess, for uniting the voices of carers who can be so invisible and hidden away in the community. Well, I, tell you, I, had, I had a really good look at it. I thought it was great. I was really encouraged to see the kind of different comments that are being made on that Facebook page. Um, and for our listeners, just in, in case you want to check it out, it's actually new care, uh, We Care 
NZ, We Care New Zealand on Facebook. So if you want to go and check out that uh, that link on Facebook, it's uh, it's it's worth having a look at. Lots of lots of really colourful and lovely entries in that, and uh, obviously doing a great job, as you said, in terms of increasing the you know the the amount of social awareness, a part of the social awareness program. Uh, Laurie, as always, great to hear from you. I know New Zealand's had a very tough year with all the troubles that you've been going through. So it's it's good to know that even though things may not be absolutely you know, perfect in terms of the progress of um, of the five-year plan. It is still making headway. You are still moving forward. And we wish you and everybody um, in New Zealand, uh, carers, uh, all the best. Thanks, everyone. And Kia Ora from New Zealand. This is Carers World Radio. Last month, we told you about the caring stars of the year. And in line with this, we thought, why stop at those awards? Let's hear about some more good care awards for carers. So in case you want to nominate someone who you think deserves an award, you may be interested in the Great British Care Awards, which works on a regional as well as a national level. And I have on the line now Mike Pagden, who's director of Great British Care Awards, to tell us more about the award system. Uh, Mike, great to have you on the line. I know we've caught you on a busy day, but um, perhaps you could tell our listeners about Basically, what is behind the Great British Care Awards as a, as a starter? Yes, certainly, and, and thank you very much for giving us the opportunity. The Great British Care Awards are about celebrating uh, the excellent social care that goes on out there in England. So um, we want to make sure that people are aware of the good work because recently there's been so many negative media stories about what's happening. We want to make sure people are aware of what the really good care that goes on out there. And how long have these care awards been been going for? Well, we've been running them. um, They started in 2008 in York with one event. And since then, we've built up to now in 2011. We've got 11 uh, awards this year. So we've had had two national finals. And then later in the year, October and November, we've got a further nine regional events in, in each part of England. And... This is their way of putting the excellence back into social care. And, and, and I was going to say, you know, you said it started off in 2008 in York, the awards, but it's got very much a regional sort of basis to it, the, the actual awards. I know there's sort of, there is the national awards, but it kind of works on a regional level too. Just explain to our listeners exactly sort of how that operates within the, the award system. Well, we wanted to take the awards to people because obviously... Um, uh, London, where the National Finals are based, is a long way from a lot of parts of England. So we wanted to take awards to the people themselves. So, for example, um, in uh, in October, we've got an event in Nottingham, and then later in Blackpool, and then we're going to back to the West Midlands. Then we're in London itself again, and then into November, we're going to Bristol, we're going to Cambridge, um, we're going to Newcastle, we're back in York again, and... Uh, looking finally in Brighton. So we're covering every region. And the idea behind that was to give people who don't normally get to, to have an event such as this to, to take it to them, as it were. So we wanted to be call them the People's Awards, basically. Well, what categories are there, Mike, then? Because I'm, uh, I'm going to be... We'll probably have a link on our website, but, you know, I know I know that your website de- de- uh, details how you can nominate and, and, and there's an entry form online and you can actually go to these events. But... Um, just you know, just so that people know, what kind of categories are there, and and what do they have to think about if they would be considering sort of nominating somebody for the award? 
Well, later on, but I can give you the exact uh, web address for, for the link. But uh, Oh, and we will have got... the link on our website as well, just so, so, so everybody knows. So nominations opening. And to give you an idea, we've got categories such as the Care Employer Award. That's for uh, a company that might uh, employ more than 250 employees. Then we've got a smaller one for companies uh, who employ less than 250. We've got a Care Home Worker Award. We've got a Home Care Worker Award. We've got an award for um, frontline leaders. Um, we've got an award for unpaid carers. We've got an award for dignity and care. So rather than go through all the list, that gives you a bit of flavour. And just an example, um, if I pick one out, um, the, the Carers Award. That is an award which is given to an unpaid carer who, in the opinion of the, of the judges, can demonstrate commitment and perseverance in the care they give. And we go on to say how many millions of people give that unpaid work. And we think they deserve an award to match their dedication to the sector. So what is great about this is that there really is kind of like a celebration of the of, of carers, both paid and unpaid, um, in terms of, of of what they're doing. Um, and 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 who is doing the judging? I mean, who's who who is actually? Because I know that you're sort of sponsored by the Department of Health. Uh, the uh, directors, of adult social services are, are involved. Um, English Community Care Association. Uh, we've also got Sky Social Care Institute for Excellence, the National Skills Academy of Social Care. Uh, but but, but are, are they the judges? Well, the judges are made up, and you can imagine one event, we, we, we've got almost 100 judges for each event. So um, if a category, there's normally a category, normally three judges. Now, if, for example, um, it was a Frontline Leaders Award, which is sponsored by the National Skills Academy, then they would obviously be a judge and there'll be two other independent judges on that panel. Um, they could be in a variety of backgrounds, public or private sector, business or public sector. And they will interview the candidates, ask them the same questions each, and then come to an opinion at the end of the session of who warrants the award. They will score them, and it's how the person um, uh, uh, appears on the day. But I think um, hopefully then you will come to uh, an opinion which is the majority view of the judges who, in their opinion, is the one that, uh, that, that wins. So that's how it's done, basically. All the judging is done on one day. It's quite a lot of people to get through, but it's quite a rigorous process people go through. So they've got to be shortlisted first, and then they will go for maybe up to six finalists for each award. Right. So it is, that, that, that's quite a lot of narrowing the field down. And, and you know, I hate to sound mercenary, but uh, what's in it? <laughs> what's in it for the winners? I mean, is it is it the prestige of being sort of uh, being considered uh, to be you know the, the highest uh, you know the, the most professional or the most caring, or, or is there actually something attached to the award? Well, I think hopefully it's the prestige of getting it. Um, they will get a memento, they will get a plaque, um, but we hope that it gives them a good night out as well and gives them something for having worked hard all that time and giving their all to social care. But also, hopefully, people recognise the public and the employer to what they've done. So whilst there's no monetary reward or anything tangible from that perspective, it is about rewarding. And as I say, we mustn't forget this bit. It's a jolly good fun night out for them as well, where they can let their hair down, see their colleagues, and hopefully... Um, is uh, dancing and singing and, and have a really good time and, and with a, a meal as well. So there's a, there's a re there's that kind of whole recognition and celebration factor involved in it. Yes, and hopefully local media will pick it up 
And again, whilst we can't agree with all the horror stories that have come out recently in the media about social care, is in fact what's going on. The vast majority of care is being done in the right way. We want the public to know there's some excellent staff out there delivering that and they deserve their moment of glory. Great. So I should tell, tell our, our, our listeners that we, you know, on your website, which we've got a link to, um, there is a list of how you can nominate. There's an entry form, yep. um, how you can yep. book a table, and previous winners as well. And obviously, there is the regional aspect. So different deadlines in terms of your nominations relate to different regions, as I understand yep. it. I, I think if people got access to a website, please go and have a look there. And um, if I can just find the number handy. Could I, could I read um, a number out where if people haven't got access to the internet, they can call and we can help them that way? Yeah, let me um, just check. Is it, is it the 0115959 number? That's the one. So if people haven't got um, access to a computer, they can still submit a, a form in the, in, in, in the well, what, what might say the old way, but we, we, we don't mind how they get the form to us. We just want to encourage people to nominate people. There's plenty of time. And if they think there's someone out there doing a good job, let, let's hear from them because the more um, people get nominating, the more competition there is, and that's what we want to make it tougher. Brilliant. Well, let me just say that number again one more time for people. So just just so that they hope they've got a pen and paper handy. Uh, the number, if you if you don't want to go through the uh, if you want to go through the old-fashioned way, shall we say, uh, the the number to call is zero one one five nine five nine. 6133. That's 0115959 Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really interesting to hear about the awards. Um, and we hope all your awards throughout the year go really well. And, uh, and thanks again for, if you like, publicizing the, the good uh, that is being done within the caring world. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this month's programme. And if you want to get more involved in Carers World Radio, you can email us at production at carersworldradio.com. Also, take a little time to listen and download our podcasts. And we welcome any feedback from you regarding our programme at our normal email address. Now, don't forget, you can Twitter and Facebook us too. We'd love to hear from you. So until next month, goodbye. Goodbye.